0: Get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 184 with John Acuff. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 184. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. John Acuff is the New York Times best-selling author of five books. His most recent book is Finish. He's helped some of the biggest brands in the world tell their story, including Home Depot, Bose, Staples, and the Dave Ramsey team. Most recently, he's spoken to hundreds of thousands of people at companies like Microsoft, Nissan, and Comedy Central. He's been featured on national media outlets such as CNN, Fox News, Good Day LA, and several other key outlets. John's recent book, Finish, is easily one of my favorite books of 2017, as it weaves interesting research, hilarious anecdotes, and easy-to-implement advice into a simple, fun, and inspiring read. If you've ever quit something, this book is for you. If you've wanted to finish more things with more ease, this book is for you. If you need a reset in working toward your goals, this book is for you. After reading Finish, I knew John would be a really interesting, fun, and fascinating interviewee, and he did not disappoint. Listening to hear John share why finishing something is much harder than starting it how your secret rules hold you back in life the link between perfectionism and not finishing things why you need to choose what to bomb and the power of noble obstacles, and why you need to get over them. This is a super fun interview. I am inspired by John. I'm totally entertained by him. He has great stories. He has great anecdotal research and fun facts. And I think you're gonna really enjoy this interview. And I definitely want you to go out and get the book. So let's go ahead and dive in with John Acuff. John Acuff, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So I read your book. I probably got it two months ago, maybe, and I've. Read it cover to cover, and learned a million things. But what was better than that was that I got to laugh through the whole thing, which is like the sign of a great book where there's learning and laughing together.
1: Yeah, I realized a few years ago it's like anything else. A lot of your listeners deal with this, where we tend to overvalue talents other people have and undervalue talents we have. Mm-hmm. And so I like to be funny. Like if you came over for dinner with your family, like we would laugh a lot. So. A couple years I tried to be serious like serious (laughs) author guy and it was just dumb and fake and so finally I said no I like to laugh I'm gonna laugh and it turns out that's a niche like (laughs) there's a lot of smart business writers but they are super not funny right and so a client last weekend in Fort Lauderdale after the speech said hey have you ever thought about doing stand-up and to me like I like that comment. And I also like when a sound guy says like that was really funny because the sound guys heard everything and right. they are so jaded. So yeah, I like to laugh and life is funny and ridiculous and dumb. And so like, I like to have fun with it. That's so
0: interesting. I got done doing a talk a few years ago and a woman passed me a card. I went and sat down in the audience. This woman passed me a card. She's like, that was so funny. You need to be on TV. And I was like, there couldn't be no greater compliment. Never mind the content. That's (laughs) awesome. That's awesome. I understand what you're saying. It's such a huge compliment. And people will listen if you're telling good stories, and you're making them laugh, and they're not going to tune out. So I totally appreciate that.
1: I like it because they're always surprised at the beginning. They're like, Mm -hmm. like I tell an opening story and you can tell they're like, wait a second, are we supposed to laugh? Like, (laughs) because they've just sat through like two hours of the fourth quarter numbers from Sales Division four, and they're like, oh, <laughs> and then I get up and tell a chainsaw story, and we oh all God. get to go, oh, all right. Yeah, 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 do that. more chainsaws. I right. Can, I can appreciate that.
0: right, right. Well, what made the book so engaging was that so I read every morning, I get up and I read for it's literally like ten minutes, like it's nothing to write home about, but it makes a huge difference in terms of like the content that I consume over the course of a year. So in my ten minutes of reading, every morning reading finish, I would get up and be like, I just can't wait to read what story he has today. And there was always a valuable lesson behind the story. But it was really like I was getting up for the story. Like, what's the thing that's going to make me laugh at 607 today?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and for me, I mean, this is the hardest book I ever wrote, because we did so much research. I partnered with a PhD on it. Then also, I wanted the jokes to be really spare and really lean. Mm. And like, I just didn't want a wasted word. Right. So the editor was amazing on it and really did a good job of saying, okay, well, how's this moving along? And I'm probably like you in that, like, I like a good comedian, like Gary Goleman to me is one of the best comedians in the world. And he's not huge right now. I think he should be. And I think he will be, but oh my gosh, he's like, he has this bit, he tells this whole joke about a documentary he watched on Netflix about the brave team of men and women who first came up with the state abbreviations. And he does this whole thing where it's like. (laughs) The brave and noble men and women. Yeah. And he says, like, but they got stuck. And so they brought in a contractor. And he said, no, not a contractor, a contractor. And like somebody who (laughs) contracts things. And I was like, that's brilliant. Oh my God. Like, you're looking for the right word that goes. Oh, okay. I thought you were going this direction. You went the exact opposite. Right. And then the other thing, like I try to make my books honest in that like, yeah, there's mom stories in there that I think everybody who listens to this is going to be like, oh my gosh, finally, like somebody, you know, and it's not my story. It's mom's doing stuff that like the story of the lady who said her secret rule, which is kind of you know, when we're young, we get handed these expectations or these rules about our life. And we often hold them for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And she said, she believed that being in shape was slutty and immoral and being out of shape was more humble. And like, what a way to sabotage any health goal you had. But so like the stories of women who are honest about things, and it's not just a book for moms, obviously, but I feel like unlike some business books, there's a female voice represented that I hope is helpful.
2: Oh
0: my gosh, there totally is. And well, what I found to be so relatable throughout the book is that, you know, I think a lot of it was written with business in mind. But when you think about running the business of your family, and I talk a lot about like moms generally taking on the role of family manager that by the way, no one tells you that's your new job after you have your first child. And when you think about taking on that role, there's a million things that need to get done in this household every day. And there's goals that you have to set, whether that's like meal planning, grocery shopping, getting laundry done, whatever. And the start to finish can get really grueling and it can totally suck. So I really read the book with some of that in mind, just thinking of like, running a household and mom life and family management. And like, how do we continue to be really fired up and excited about that? Because sometimes it's not super exciting.
1: Um, Well, and you don't get to see the results in the same way as you other things, you know, like you try to teach your kids stuff, and you hope it sticks. But the reality is, they might not put that into practice until, you know, mid 30s. Right. And then you go, okay, wow, you know, how do we do that? How do we keep going when you don't see the results? Yeah, I think it's an interesting experience. But you're right; you are an automatic CEO of a family. Yes, <laughs> and I don't think we talk much about that.
0: I know. I'm trying to talk about it a lot to make sure that it gets out there,
1: because <laughs> oh, good.
0: I want to start like getting some accolades and some trophies and some.
1: Oh some- yeah, a raise. <laughs>
0: Right, right. I would definitely would like a medal every now and then. So maybe a plaque. So I want to know what I was so intrigued by at the beginning of the book, you talk about your previous book, Start, and you shed a little light on the significance of that book compared to Finish. And you know, some of it was like a little bit of a guilty admission almost that I wrote this book called Start. And as it turns out, starting isn't where we need the most help. So can you actually can you talk a little bit about the difference between your book start and between your book finish and why finish is so important and so imperative to so many people?
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, I'd say any mom listening that wants to write a book, start a business, do a thing. There's really three things you think about. And imagine like I'm drawing three circles and they're overlapping kind of classic Venn diagram. The first circle is what are you curious about? Like, what's a problem you want to solve? Like, what's something you're really interested in that you chase for a long time? So I was curious, why don't I finish things? You know, I, the joke I tell, but it's true, is it took me three years to do six days of P90X, which is <laughs> not the schedule they recommend. <laughs> right. The second thing, I wrote this book, Start, because our culture praises the beginning and ignores yeah. the middle. Yeah. And so we say things like, Well, begun is half done. The hardest part of any journey is the first step. And that sounds right on Pinterest, on like top of a uh, unicorn, but it's stupid because if you think about it, the first step's not the hardest. We have launch parties, we have kickoff parties. I've never been to a middle party where a manager said, <laughs> We're at the worst part, time for cake. Like the middle sucks. Yeah. We celebrate the beginning, we celebrate the end, we ignore the middle. And so all these people came up to me after I wrote start and said, Hey, I liked your book. It was helpful. And I still have people come up and tell me it was helpful, but they'd kind of whisper and go, Hey, no offense, but I've never had a problem starting. I can start a million things. I've registered 50 URLs. Every time I have an idea, I go like, I got to get there before a Russian teenager. And I register this URL. How do I actually finish? Like, how do I finish my diet? How do I finish? And I didn't have an answer. And so that's kind of the second piece. The second circle is, is there a real need? Like, Are real people, real moms, real dads, real single adults saying, I need this? And the third piece you look for is, is it in the market? I went to Amazon and Googled finish. And the only thing that came up was uh, like detergent for your dishes. And so (laughs) I thought, even right now, if you go to Amazon and type in finish, I'm like the 10th result because like, I don't know, super suds bubbles come up and you go, okay, wow, this isn't a topic we're talking about. So that's where it started. And I think honestly... That's why the books resonated more than any other book I've written in that people I've yet to meet somebody who says their problem is they finish too many things. If anything, (laughs) I mean, not common. No, I meet moms, every company. I had a company buy 5000 copies. That's never happened to me before because they go, wait a second, a book that's good for goals. And then the third part is I've had so many wives who have purchased it for a husband because the problem is sometimes books that you want to give your husband, give them shame. We talk about shameless. Mm -hmm. Like you give your husband a book that's essentially like, this is how you're not leading our family. I want to give this to you. Or like, (laughs) This is how you're failing as a man. Like there's a book about it. And so with Finish, it's the kind of book that I've had so many wives say, I see something in my husband he doesn't see in himself. I want to give him some help versus I want to fix him. And so that's been the part of it that's been crazy to me is watching Wives give it to their husbands and the husbands will often say like, no offense, I hated this book the first time I saw it. And now I just I ran a half marathon or now I finally cleaned out our garage. And so that's been fun.
0: Yeah, I can totally see where it would be a really great gift to give and it would be better received than here's how you suck as a husband and how you could be better.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
4: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first time or second time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So, join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.
0: So, what I really loved, I own a gym in my other life outside of podcasting. And so, so like many. Currently, of the, you own a gym? Yes, currently, I own a gym. And many of the examples that you gave were very relevant to my gym owner life. And you talked about like subconsciously embracing not finishing things because you're so conditioned to the cycle of starting and not finishing. And I started thinking, and I've shared this example since on the podcast, but I started thinking about, I run transformation programs in my gym about five times a year. People sign up for these programs and they're usually like anywhere from four to eight weeks long. And now as I see people registering for them, I know who my finishers will be based on past performance. And so there are people that pay to register or enroll in a program that never show up for the first day of the program. And then there's another group of people that usually make it for like through the first half of the program. And then there's another group of people that make it all the way to the end. And I've done different things over time to be like, okay, how can I get these people who like just want to throw money at me, but don't participate. (laughs) How can I get them to show up and actually like get beyond that start line? And I've thought about this in many different ways. And when you started giving concrete tactical ways that you can reframe these subconscious habits, I was so excited because I thought like, oh, this is why. And it really speaks to like you starting P90X. It took you three years to do the first thirty days or whatever your example was.
1: Three. Three Three days, unfortunately. Yeah. I appreciate your kindness. First thirty. Oh my gosh, what a miracle.
0: (laughs) So yeah, I think that example is so relevant, because we get conditioned to, especially when it comes to fitness, I think, and health and nutrition and those kinds of goals, because we're so culturally told that we need to always, especially women, like we're always supposed to have a goal of losing weight. So we are very conditioned to like, okay, like on Monday, I'm going to start or at the next season, I'm going to start at the new year, I'm going to start. And we always start in the same way. And then we peter out in the same way as well. And what I appreciate in the book is the tactics that you use, really shift thinking around what to do once you start. So let's go ahead. And I want to dive into some of the tactical ways. But first, talk about perfectionism, because it's a thread that you use throughout the book that's so significant. And then we'll dive into some more tactical stuff. So Share why understanding perfectionism is a crucial piece of understanding why we don't finish things.
1: Yeah, totally. So before I do that, to your point about knowing these people will finish, these other people won't. The reason there's practical things in there is I had the great privilege and gift of working with thousands of people on their goals. And Mm -hmm. so that research became the book. So, for instance... Like I have a – we talked offline about this. I have a course called The Finish Course, and it's a 90-day course. It's going to start in January. It's at finishcourse.com. But so it's 90 days, 30 videos. You get one every three days. So in the past, I've made like the first video a certain way, the second video a certain way. I've kept on going. We found through our studies the greatest quit day, the day more people quit than any other day was day two, which is crazy. But the problem is when we think of transformation, say I have a 30-day thing I'm doing – We think, okay, and you say to somebody, do the beginning, middle, and end. Like, how will the days break down? They go, beginning will be day one through 10, middle day 11 to 20, the end will be 21 through 30, which sounds right, but the reality is the beginning is day one, the middle is day two through 29, and the (laughs) end is day 30. And the middle starts sooner than you think, and so now the second day of the course is don't quit, which feels counterintuitive. Like, you think, oh, I don't need to be told that right now. You need to be told that more than any other day. Like... Because day one is hype. The work starts earlier than we want and motivation is temporary. So I love the idea of trying to go, okay, knowing what I know, because if you care about people Like, somebody would say to me, well, who cares if they do the whole course as long as you got their money? But what a short-sighted way to serve somebody. It's
0: not a fun way to serve people. No, no. You can probably
1: do a million programs where people (laughs) never actually change their life. But if you enjoy the life change part, like, that's not fun. Right. I think you have to be smart about it. As far as perfectionism, I think a great sign that you're a perfectionist is if you'd rather get a zero than a C (laughs) minus. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of perfectionists that'll say, my goal is to run five miles every day. I only have time for three today, so I'm going to run none. And you go, well, you know, like three is more than none. Or I would argue the moms with the messiest bedrooms right now listening are actually perfectionists. The moms with the messiest cars. And you go, well, that doesn't make sense. Aren't they all type A? Some of them are, but the reality is if a perfectionist can't clean a car down to the toothbrush level, they don't even touch it. There's empty food bags, like cheese stick wrappers, like a possum family, like it's out of control. And so I think a great sign of perfectionism is, would you rather not do it at all than do it halfway? As if halfway is worse than not at all. And also, you know, are you waiting for the right moment to do it? Are you waiting for the perfect time to do it or the perfect amount of money or the perfect amount of whatever? And the problem is perfectionism acts like a quality trait, like I'm such a perfectionist, we say, but the reality is you're chasing something that doesn't exist. Like I always tell authors, Amazon's never sold a perfect book. They've sold a billion imperfect books people were brave enough to publish. Oh, and Oh, that's so, such a
0: great example
1: just have to get it out. I have mistakes in every book I've ever written. Like I know I can rattle off, okay, this, I got the character's name wrong. This was wrong. And like 10 other editors missed it. So it's not just like, and I made that mistake because I'm lazy. I made that mistake because if you do 50,000 words, I hate to break it to you. Like chances (laughs) are a handful of them are going to be wrong.
0: Right. (laughs) That's so true. Let's talk about your concept of cutting goals in half. When I saw this chapter, I'm going to tell you what I thought it was when I saw the chapter and I was like, oh, I don't want to hear that. And then you can share what it actually was. So when I was given this concept by business coaches a few years ago where they said, oh, you should just cut your goals in half. So if you want to launch your new website or launch a product, you know, in the next six months, cut it in half, do it in three And this was like this like hustle mindset of like, just cut it in half and you'll get it done. And done is better than perfect. And so I was like, oh, my God, he's going to tell us to do that. And that's hard.
1: (laughs) I said the opposite.
0: Totally the opposite. And I was like screaming (laughs) in my living room at 608 in the morning. Like, yes. So go ahead and share your concept of cutting goals in half.
1: Yeah, I think a big part of what I try to do with this book is take popular things we say and see if they were true. So one of the things we say is what you just said, which is go big or go home, aim for the moon so that even if you fail, you'll land amongst the stars. (laughs) If your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. Like we say so much of that. And I wanted to see if that was true. And so I saw a problem happening. And the problem was if your goal is to lose 10 pounds and you only lost eight, you didn't feel like you almost got there. You feel like you failed. Most people judge their goals on a pass fail basis. I lost by two and I give up. And the truth is, I care about your February more than your January. I care about your March more than your February. Like, I want to walk you through a whole year. I asked a cashier, when do people quit their goals? And she said, third week of January. And I said, how do you know? And she said, that's when we stopped selling kale.
0: And I thought, that's
1: brilliant. (laughs) Totally. And so we wanted to test this. And so the researcher and I said to this nearly 900 people we are studying, hey, cut it in half because I believed – That if your goal went from ten pounds to five pounds and you lost the same exact eight pounds, you won by three and you try again. Like it's this psychological flip. And you know, when you do research studies, you're trying to find a five percent edge, a ten percent edge, and what we found is people who cut their goal in half were sixty-three percent more successful, which is just insane. Now the takeaway from that isn't so dream really huge and then cut it in half. The takeaway is dream the right size from the get-go. Like I love people that do health goals and they'll say, I'm going to run. I'm going to start running. I'll go, that's great. And they'll go, yeah, I'm going to do a marathon. And I go, well, have you have you done a half marathon or like a 10K or a 5K? Even just a K. Have you ever run <laughs> okay. a K? Get a tiny little medal and they go, no, no, no. I got to go for it. I'm going to get a bike and get carbon fiber, everything, and wear tight clothes with so much information. Like I'm going to go to the Ironman and Kona. <laughs> right, right. Any of that like. It's the mom whose whole house is messy and they think they have to clean the whole thing, where I would very much be like, let's start with a drawer. Like, let's crush a drawer. Let's do so, like, so many people, and people love this book, and, like, I think it's a great book. The core concept is brilliant. The, what is it, the secret magic art of tidying up or whatever? Uh Uh-huh, yes.
0: I think it's the life-changing magic of...
1: I know so many people that read that and thought they had to be exactly that. Mm -hmm. So they'd be like, I have to thank my socks when I take them off at the end of the day, and know which pairs i have and like we do each other a disservice when we think we have to go to that level of detail right. instantly i hope you get there down the road if you want to but like maybe you won't want to like i'll never thank my socks for their service i want to be upfront <laughs> about that like i am so ungrateful to my socks the years they have served me and i haven't thanked them once so i just i wanted to be smart about it so yeah it's so funny you thought i was going to say cut your goal in half like be, be twice as big a jerk to yourself. I'm the opposite. I'm like, especially if you got young kids, like young kids are a crisis and they're a beautiful crisis, but they're a crisis. <laughs> they and are. people don't tell you that because they want you to keep propagating the species. But dude, when you have a young kid, your only goal is the finish line of bedtime. And I always ask moms, like, have you ever put your kid down to bed so early? The sun is still really high mm-hmm. and like you can hear other kids outside playing. And they're like, Mom, why do we use blackout shades? And you're like, pipe <laughs> down. It's midnight in China. We're celebrating <laughs> the year of the rooster. So I'm the opposite of what a lot of people teach.
0: I love it. That's so great. It makes it so much more attainable. And it puts you in a position of being able to do something that I think is really powerful. And that's tracking your wins, like noticing your progress rather than noticing the lack of progress. So like the example that you gave, like your goal is to lose eight pounds. And if you were to only lose four, like the win is that you lost four, not that you didn't lose the other four.
1: Yeah, exactly. So powerful. We don't look back. We look forward and feel like if I'm at 60% of a goal, if I look at zero, 60 is gigantic. If Mm -hmm. I look at a hundred, I'm a terrible failure. So like Mm -hmm. the stuff is like, it's subtle changes to kind of give you a fresh view of, wow, I hadn't thought about it that way. It's practical. I can actually do that. And I don't have to become a perfect mom overnight to do it.
0: Right, right. I love your philosophy of choose what to bomb. Can you explain this and how it's super helpful in our journey to getting things done?
1: Yeah, we tend to just add, add, add. We add on, we add on. And goal setting books tell you stupid stuff like hey, if you've got a financial goal, you should have a spiritual goal and a physical goal and a relational goal and an intellectual goal. Like, have a goal for every of the seven areas of your life, which sounds <laughs> smart. But then, like, if you were going to learn German, I wouldn't be like, you should learn six other languages at the same time, like Swahili and Portuguese mm-hmm. and Norwegian. Like, that would be bad advice. Right. And so I would argue that at the beginning of any endeavor, Say it's, say it's December and you're thinking through what you want to work on. I think you need to deliberately say, here's the three things I'm not going to worry about. I mean, the moms that do this well are amazing. My favorite was the mom who said, you know, during a busy season at work, my kids know that the clothes get clean, but not folded and put away. Like she has a laundry chair, which we all have. It's (laughs) like your appliance, your clothes go from like, washer, dryer, chair. Right. And it's just this mountain of clothing like Fraggle Rock and your kids pull socks (laughs) off it like street urchins at a fair. And I love that her kids know, oh, I'm wrinkled. My clothes are wrinkled. Mom must be busy. The other thing she said is like, I'll make simple meals. Like, and I won't feel ashamed about that. You know, the problem is we don't ever talk about this enough. We talk about comparison, but we don't talk about how new it is. Mm -hmm. in the 1980s, you could only compare your motherhood to five other moms that lived on your cul-de-sac. Like you had no idea what a mom in Acadia, Maine was doing. And you certainly Mm -hmm. didn't feel inadequate about it. Now with the internet, you can judge your motherhood against every mother online in 30 seconds. Like Mm -hmm. you can feel bad about what some mom in Portland is doing or some mom in Santa Monica or Houston, Texas. And you know what? And the other problem is we compare our whole messy life to their sliver, small, perfect life. And mom is making like, you know, farm to table meals out of her own garden. And she's got like deconstructed mac and cheese. with like good <laughs> glaze and like, you know, so I love that this mom in the book said the meals get simple. Like, I think one of the greatest shams we play on our kids is breakfast supper. Like, oh, that's the best because we oversell it. And our kids are like, yay, breakfast supper. And inside you're like. All I'm doing is scrambling some <laughs> eggs, you sucker. You know, my friend's mom used to do make your own sandwich night, which is brilliant. She yeah. was outsourcing all the labor. And the kids are like, yay, direct access to mayonnaise. Like, I can <laughs> it, you know? And, and so I, that's what the concept's about is about deliberately saying, like, you have a choice. Your choice is shame or strategy. So shame says, I can do it all. I should do it all. Everybody but me does it all. And you try to do it all and then you fail. Strategy says, you know what? Like for the next month, as I spend more time at the gym, I'm not going to be able to keep up with Stranger Things or I'm not going to be able to keep up with this kind of outside relationship or, hey, for the next 30 days, as I work on being more present to my husband, I'm not going to be able to do these other three things and I'm not going to feel bad about them. Like I give myself permission not to be good at them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I've started using this example with my transformation groups at the gym. And I'm like exactly what you just said, where I'm like, for the next four weeks, this is what you're choosing to focus on. So I want you to also make a list of what you're not focusing on. And I love your example for you. You mentioned when you're writing a book, you're like, I know for the next three months, I'm going to be a really sucky friend. I'm going to bomb friendship. And let's just put that on the table right now. And I think that's such a great conscientious way to Relieve yourself in one area or m- multiple areas so that you can be super focused and do the thing that needs to get done and make it really awesome. And then you can shift gears again rather than just always feeling like you're doing everything halfway or failing at everything by
1: 50%. Yeah, there's such joy in putting something down on purpose. Yeah. Because then when shame says, Hey, you're not keeping up with that person, you go, I know. Thanks for noticing. I did <laughs> that on purpose, you know, <laughs> yeah. versus like, I'm trying. I'm, you know, like, I'm trying – I mean Shonda Rhimes who does Scandal and a million other shows says that when she's producing a show, she doesn't get to the gym as much as she'd like to. Yeah. So like she's smart enough to know when I'm running a show, I don't get to literally run as much as I want. Right. And she doesn't go – and the other thing is terrible at admitting things are different or things have changed. Like we'll add a kid to our house and be like, I just feel like things feel chaotic. And you want to be like, yeah, (laughs) you have a baby. Right. Or – you know, if you're in retail, people who work in retail get this because December is craziness. I've worked in retail a bunch of times. I never had a manager go, Hey, it's November. Let's talk about the five things we're not going to do in December because December isn't the same month as March. Like I would argue moms every August mom should get together and go, Hey, it's a back to school season. It's going to be crazy these next three weeks. what are the three things we're all not going to do? Right. Like, cause September isn't the same as April. Like and that's not failure for you to recognize that, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. Let's talk about noble obstacles, because I think that all moms can relate to noble obstacles. And I want, I'll kick off what was so relatable to me, that in the book, you talked about a couple wanting to clean out the garage. Oh, yeah. They were like putting off, like, I think it was the husband who was oh, like, yeah. yeah, we need to clean the garage. But first, like, don't worry, honey, I'm going to take care of it because I'm going to have a garage sale this weekend. And it, you went into more of the story, but like, I'm going to do this big, noble thing that's going to help the family. And the wife is just like, no, just like clean the garage. just get everything out of here. Like, no, let's not have a major event in order to clean the garage. Let's just clean the garage. <laughs> so yeah, can you talk so that- about noble obstacles and especially how moms tie into that?
1: Yeah, a noble obstacle is a way to kind of avoid doing something you're afraid to do or you don't want to do. So in that story, and that was a real story, I had to change their names because I'm friends with them. And I didn't want to tell them. And that story, for years, the wife has said like, hey, we're not hoarders, but our garage looks like it. Like their garage has pathways. Like anytime you develop a pathway system, like a (laughs) ferret, it's probably time (laughs) to pump the brakes, throw some stuff away. You might need to bomb
0: some other things so that you can take care of that.
1: (laughs) And so finally, the wife said, we need to do what we need to do. And he said, great, we'll do a garage sale. And he's never done a garage sale in their 20 year marriage. He never shops at garage sales. But what's brilliant is he gets to look like the hero. I'm making money for the family. I'm being responsible. But at the same time, he added 20 layers to that goal. Instead of just throwing stuff away, now he has to label stuff. He has to look up the HOA on signage. He has to make signs. He has to price stuff. He has to get a square so that people with cards can pay. He has to get change from the bank. He has to figure out where to schedule it so his kids aren't at soccer games. He has to resort all the stuff he didn't sell. He has to haggle over a price. He has to be at home. It's crazy. and also looking noble, you might be doing something just so you don't have to do the real thing you don't want to do. Right, right. He doesn't want to do the real work of throwing stuff away. Like maybe there's some sentimental stuff he just doesn't want to deal with. So he complicates it. I think moms, it's the same with like, sometimes we do things for our kids that they don't even notice. And we say it was for our kids. Like I remember a birthday party and the mom said, oh, what a Pinterest fail. The banner doesn't match the plate color. And I thought, like, he still uses the bathroom in his pants. Like, (laughs) there's a chance he doesn't notice that the cerulean is not the same as the blue. Like, (laughs) but that was a mom complicating something in a way that she didn't really need. Like, I don't know if she was just sad about a kid growing up. I don't know what she was hiding from. But she was doing that for some reason other than the kid. And she was, you know, or maybe even there's moms that'll go, I can't do a business outside or I don't have time to get in shape because my husband needs me more than that. And I would argue there's a lot of husbands that would say, hey, I would watch the kids for an hour if it meant you did a book group. Like I would watch the kids for an hour if it meant you got to the gym. Like I'm not here. Don't hear me saying things I haven't said. Like I haven't said if you spend an hour of me time, you know, I'm disappointed in you. I would think that there's a lot of husbands that they don't even know they need to say that, but they need to say that like my wife, Jenny, we've been married. We're going on 17 years. Um, In three weeks, she's going to Switzerland, Germany, and Singapore. Oh, so amazing. She's going with a girlfriend. Last fall, she went to Budapest. She just has a good girlfriend that's an international executive. And she said, Hey, do you want to go? Jenny texted me. She said, Hey, we're adding on Singapore. It's going to add another week. Are you okay with that? And I was like, sure. I love that our relationship is in a place where Jenny knows we're not going to haggle over that. Like, She's going to give me the world's longest list of places I have to carpool with my kids when she's gone. (laughs) But like, there's no part of me that's like, oh no, like she was afraid of traveling. A great noble obstacle would have been like, well, I really want to be with my family more on December 5th for the holidays. As if like December 5th is Christmas. Like if she misses December 5th, my kids aren't going to be like, man, remember that year mom missed (laughs) December 5th? The 5th is the most special, you know? Right, right. So I think that's part of the danger. Yeah, yeah. need to ask yourself as a mom, am I not doing something for a real reason? Or is it a reason that I'm adding to this conversation that my husband's never said that? Or my kids have never said that?
0: Right, right. So I have to share our current noble obstacle, which is because it started out for both my husband and me being a noble obstacle. And now it's mostly it's actually just completely mine. We need to get rid of our baby stuff. Like we're not having a second child. It's kind of an issue. We've had a lot of infertility issues. And so getting rid of the baby stuff was this very emotional thing. Sure, initially, initially. (laughs) But now so first, I said, when we knew we were done, I said, Okay, I'm not gonna be ready to get rid of our stuff for quite a while. And my husband was like, no worries. I totally understand. Take your time. And then I said, when we do get rid of our stuff, I want to make sure that we can be really intentional. And maybe we can go through this organization that helps homeless families who are in transition, getting into housing, I said, maybe we can find a family and like adopt a family. And I got super involved. Where I was like, then because these people—they've been homeless. They're going to move into a small place. Like they can't take all of our stuff at one time, so we'll have to give it to them in phases. So we'll probably have to like meet with the family every six months to give them like a few things at a time because we'll be able to store. (laughs) I know. So then my husband goes. My husband's like, yeah, actually, maybe we should find a refugee family. Because it would be really great if we could help a refugee family, so he starts re- researching refugee families, and so after a while, we're like, okay, that's what we're going to do, and then we're like, but at this point, I'm said like I'm not ready, but when we're ready, we'll look into this refugee family thing. Well, now, that's my- amazing. Oh, I know. And as I was reading the book, I was like, oh my gosh, my noble obstacle. So now, at this point, it's been like well over a year, and my husband's like. And by the way, we've had a crib sitting in a hallway this entire time, and my husband, that we walk through 80 times a day, and my husband goes, can we please just get rid of a few things? And I'm like, like two months ago, I was like, okay, I'm ready to get rid of like maybe two things from the garage, but not anything from the house yet. (laughs) And now, because I had all these conditions on it, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, it's become so big. I just want someone to come take everything right now, and I don't care who it goes to. Like, I just wanna put it on the street corner. (laughs)
1: That is yeah, and the idea that you have to first find a refugee family, good right? Grief. Like that's easy. Like you Google Kenya, right. yeah.
0: So when you need to do like finish part two, you can use that story.
1: Yeah, that is <laughs> like, so true and so I mean that's just real. And I know I guarantee there's people that have done the same thing where it's, you know, but that's part of like I've had guys say you know, men or women that want to be, they want to start a business that they go, I can't because I'll become a workaholic right, and right. I don't want to do that to my family. And like, you're doing noble obstacle or like weird thinking when you only have two options, either you don't pursue a dream and you just get bitter and wish you had, or you pursue one and you, you develop a Coke habit overnight to keep up with all the workout, uh, you know, the work hours you're doing. Right. I mean, but it's a, if you own a gym, like people that are like, I get in shape but I don't want to, have to buy new clothes. It's like, oh, you're 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 one squat away from needing a whole new wardrobe.
0: <laughs> right, right. So for listeners who are feeling stuck today and maybe have a long list of things they haven't finished, what is one thing that they can do to get closer to finishing something?
1: Yeah, so I would be really deliberate about making it fun. Yeah. That's another thing we do. The problem is if you ask most people, especially moms, if you say, "Hey, Like five words of them, uh, like of your thoughts on goals. Like when you think of the word goal, what do you think of? And they'll go hustle, grind, perseverance, discipline, willpower, struggle. They never say fun, joy, happiness, you know, smiling, laughter. And so what we studied was does fun matter to a goal? And what we found out was that if you have fun, you're 31% more satisfied and the crazy part is you're 43% more successful. Mm. And so it matters significantly. And so to every mom, I would say, though, not everything you have to do is fun. Like, let's be honest. I think we do each other a great disservice when we say, when you have a kid, like, it's just you're, you found your purpose and it's easy. And like, or when you know your role or when you discover your passion, and like, it's still very difficult. So the principle is you have to make it fun you have to be deliberate about adding fun to the thing you're trying to do so that you can get yourself across the finish line and fun can be like I'm saying say you stay on budget, like say finances is your goal, and you stay on budget for a month, like go to a movie by yourself. Like there is no greater suburban luxury known to man than to attend a movie by yourself as a mom. And you're like, just ticket for one, you know, like, (laughs) you don't have to leave to go to the bathroom. Like, you don't have to say things like, I can't fast forward the trailers, this isn't our TV. Like, (laughs) it's amazing. And so that's, the, you know, that's one thing you can do that's kind of unexpected of like, hey, let me, let me find out how to have fun in what I'm doing.
0: Right. I think that's so important. And like completely the opposite of what we usually think about when we're looking at how we can finish goals. I love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Usually it's just like just red bullet even harder. Right. (laughs) You know, like buckle down already. Like no one you're like, yeah, this doesn't feel fun. Right. You know, like nose to the grindstone. Like all our phrases about goals are miserable. uh, I don't want my nose on a grindstone. That sounds terrible.
0: And it's funny that we don't notice that until people start bring like sharing it in a more ironic way. And then you're like, oh yeah, that is awful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's not inspiring at all. Right. That doesn't, I don't feel motivated. I feel demotivated. You've actually found a way to motivate me
0: less. (laughs) Right. Tell us in what ways are you a shameless dad?
1: Well, I mean, I share pretty openly, especially online about like, hey, here's a mistake I made, you know, or here's, you know, here's something that I got wrong that I wish I didn't get wrong. And so I think that part of how I'm shameless is I don't add a lot of regret to the mistakes. I try to fix them. Yeah. I try to learn from them. But I think I try to share them. So I try to say like, hey, dad, you know, here's a thing that I did wrong. Like, you know, here's a great tip. If you have any moms that are business travelers or if their husbands travel either way, one of the things that my wife taught me when I was business traveling, I would be so dramatic about it. And I'd be like, I'm so sorry, I'm leaving. And you think like you're being kind to the kid. You're actually teaching the kid to feel sad. Kids are very reflective of your emotions. And so my wife pulled me aside and said, Hey, look, you're asking them to hold your guilt. You feel guilty, so you're overdoing, I'll miss you, I'll be home. And they don't even really notice. Like, I had a my friend's 13-year-old, I said, hey, where's your dad? She's like, I don't know. I was like, when did he get back home? She's like, I don't know. Like, the 13-year-old's doing their own life. Now, if I do this whole situation, like, I'll be home on the 7th, and I'm, I'm so sorry, I failed you, like... I, you know, which again is mostly for me mm-hmm. to feel better as a dad, to put it on Instagram and say, like, I miss my kids so much. Like, that's not helpful to your kids. So, that's the kind of thing that I would say. I wouldn't hide that. I would say to other dads, like, oh, you travel? Hey, here's something I learned from my wife. Not something I'm smart and I came up with. Here's something I learned. Here's something I do. I hope it helps you too because I made a mistake and I don't want to see you make the same mistake. So, I think part of how I'm a shameless dad is the stuff I share.
0: I love it. I love that. And I, and I appreciate that. I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> so
1: I yeah, love it. then you know, that's what I do. Yeah. Like, a, you know, yeah. a bunch of my stuff and I don't do it as like, there are people that use vulnerability as a marketing tool, which mm-hmm. is just as annoying the other way. Right. It kind of reminds me of like when Christina Aguilera sang the song Beautiful. Like that was written by the lead singer, for Non Blondes, who is not a physically attractive person. And that song sung by someone who's not beautiful is amazing. Sung by Christina Aguilera, you're like, yeah, yeah, we get it. You're beautiful. <laughs> like we agreed on that like 10 years ago. <laughs> like, how is this a thing? Right. Nobody's arguing that. <laughs> and so like, I don't like when people overuse vulnerability as a way to try to get you to disarm and buy their thing or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think there's a balance, you know? Yeah.
0: Totally, totally. John, this has been so awesome and informative and funny and helpful. And I just really, really appreciate the work that you're doing and putting out there. And we need to do your shameless, we normally have a shameless mommy minute, lightning round, but we're gonna do a shameless daddy minute in just a second here. But first tell us where we can find you and where we can find the book.
1: Yeah, you can find the book everywhere. It's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's all over the place. The thing I'm super excited about is like the thing I mentioned, the finish course, which is just finishcourse.com. It's going to start in January and it's 90 days and it's thousands of people from around the world. And it's just so encouraging. Like I would say one of the things that moms struggle with is the thought that they're the only one you get isolated. Like motherhood is a very isolating activity in a weird way. It kind of reminds you of like, nobody tells you the twenties suck. Like our culture tells you like the twenties are amazing. Like the twenties are super hard. Like (laughs) you think it's going to be like MTV beach house. It's not. And so My encouragement would be check out finishedcourse.com. I think the content's amazing, but more than that, I think the people that are in this conversation with me are the people that will say like, oh my gosh, my kid put their hand in the oven. Like I'm the worst mom ever. I'm trying to work on a financial goal. My kid has their hand in the (laughs) oven, you know? And so I just think it'd be really encouraging to anybody who's trying to lose weight or write a book or do any other kind of goal. Finishedcourse.com is fun.
0: Awesome. Perfect. And then I will also have link a link to the book finish as well. And do you have a main website? Or do you want everyone to just go to finishcourse.com?
1: Takeoff.me if they want to like read my blogs and stuff. It's okay. just my last A-cuff. name. ACUF.me.
0: Okay. So lightning round. You ready? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. What is your favorite way to treat yourself?
1: Skiing. Like, I don't do it as much as I'd like. But like, I remembered I love skiing. And I can't ski enough.
0: Nice. That was part of your, you mentioned in the book, you use that for like incentivizing yourself and giving yourself rewards and getting new Oh sneakers. yeah, I got
1: boots. I got Perfect. a pair of ski boots. And it's oh, not right. like they're a million dollars, but like they were enough that it motivated me.
0: Nice. I love it. Current book that you're reading or the last one you read?
1: Current book that I'm reading right now, I just got uh, Ray Dalio's book, Principles. And like, it is gigantic. It's 500. No, it's like 600 pages. So like, whoo, that's a doozy. But I'm going <laughs> to
0: finish it. I hope you follow your principle, like decide what you're going to bomb so that you can Oh, well, I've read read
1: 121 books this year.
0: Oh, I just thought of that. I was going to ask you about that. Okay. So because I follow you on Instagram, I see that you are doing this. How many books do you slated to finish in the whole year?
1: Finish 156, which is three a week. So So three books are a pretty reading full December.
0: Do you have, how many do you have left? Like 30. Okay. Do yeah. you have any tips for reading? I mean, like even a fraction of that, do you have like any,
1: I have a great, like I made a PDF cause so many people kept asking okay. me. if you go to acup.me slash read, okay. like it's just a PDF and a video, but I would say two tips. Don't read things you don't want to read. Like the whole f- have fun. Like people go, I'm going to read more. I got to start with war and peace. Cause I didn't read it in high school. Like, Ugh. no, you don't. Right. Read things you want to read. And then second tip expand what counts we're such jerks to ourselves when it comes to our goals so like i would post that i read a graphic novel like i read a batman novel graphic novel and somebody would go that doesn't count and i wanted to say according to who right like who is judging john acuff's reading list <laughs> the <is> john acuff <laughs> like right. remember with the goal you're the boss like totally you get to make the goal like at work it's different when you inherit a goal it's different but like you get to ma- decide what counts. So, if I decide audiobooks count, guess what? They count. Totally. If I decide that audiobooks at one and a half speed, because most people's voices are so slow, <laughs> they count. And so, that's what I would say. Like, if you want to read more, read what you like, expand what counts. And third tip would be have multiple things going at the same time. We often say, like, have one book and then finish it like a laser. Like, but the reality is, I want to read something different at 9am than I do at 10pm. Yeah. I don't want to read a finance book. I don't want to get into bed with Jim Collins. Like I want to read a novel that's fun and exciting. So those would be the three tips. I love it. I love it. Okay, who's your biggest inspiration? I think definitely my dad as far as like, I would say like, inspiration, but who I kind of mimic the most or whose stuff I use the most watching him as a public speaker is probably still the biggest kind of influence that I've got.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. What is one morning ritual you can't live without?
1: Coffee, coffee. I change my mornings up. Like sometimes I'll, I'll go through a spell of 30 days of meditating with the Headspace app, or I'll go through a phase of reading the same like book every day for 30 days. But the one thing that I don't go without is coffee.
0: <laughs> if you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why?
1: I think I would say like, Because like you want to go, oh, what, like lasers, but that's dumb. I think I would say (laughs) the ability to not care what other people think except for people who love you.
0: Oh, I love it. That's so great. All right, this has been amazing. I so appreciate everything that you're doing. And next time you write a book, you've got to come back and share it with us because I'm totally like totally obsessed with all of your writing now. And I'm gonna go check out your reading tips because I love reading as well. And I'm always trying to figure out how to consume more and less. Well, I
1: didn't know you own a gym, so I'll send you five copies of Finish that you can give to people at the gym. All you have to do is send me. I want a picture of books at a gym. That'd be fun. Awesome. So I will send you five copies. When you just put them out somewhere, and if somebody goes, oh, this looks interesting, I'd like one, go, well, guess what? Now you have one.
0: Awesome. I will totally do that. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much, John. I hope you can come back and join us again next time you have something fun to share. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for spending time with John and me in the Shameless Mom Academy. Please do share out this episode. I would love more people to finish more things. So you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy. So you just take your little screenshot you rate, right. Hey, this was such a great episode. Love the interview with John Cuff. Tag me at the shameless mom Academy. I will comment on your post. You can send me a screenshot of it if you want, especially if you put it in Instagram stories, definitely message me the screenshot and I will be delighted to reply to you. But sharing this episode and sharing the shameless love is how we help more mamas become more shameless every damn day. So I do appreciate you spreading the word. If this is your first time listening to the shameless mom Academy, we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So please subscribe to the show so you get access to episodes as soon as they are released. And you can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you into our Apple podcast portal where you can hit the subscribe button and make sure you get all the episodes as soon as they're released. You could also leave a review while you're there. So please do leave a two sentence review. It can be one sentence if you want. It can be a half of a sentence. It can be a phrase, but just a few words, letting me know how the Shameless Mom account has impacted you. It means the world to me. And it really helps with my ratings. It helps the show get more widely listened to, which is why I'm here to help more mamas become more shameless. So I do appreciate you helping me spread the word. It means the world to me. I will be back in a few days with another episode. In the meantime, I hope that you have a fabulous few days. I hope that you try something new today or make a goal to finish something you've been meaning to finish for a long time. And no matter how you go about that, no matter what you do, no matter how small your baby steps are, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.